Hey, Christ community, how you doing today? We good? All right. Awesome to see you. Thanks for being here. If I have not met you yet, my name's Daryl Holden. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is great to be with you. Those of you in the room, those of you who are worshiping with us online, we're really glad to be part of this thing together. Um, if we haven't met you yet as a church, like if we, haven't, if we haven't met you yet, we would love the opportunity to do that, and I'm asking you for a little help in that. Um, if you are in the room, the easiest way for you to help us meet you is if you'll walk out of here when we're done, go to the welcome desk, and we'll give you a connect card, and we'll also, if you'll give us that connect card back with your information, we'll give you a gift that is a coffee mug with good chocolate in it, and um, like that's a fair deal. Those of you who are online, if you would hit the connect button, that'll take you to our digital connect card, and we will reach out to you as well. Sorry, um, we can't hand you a digital coffee cup and chocolate wouldn't be any good. Um, but we will reach out to you, whether you're in person or online, we'll reach out to you and see how we could help you, answer any questions for you, pray for you, serve you, um, however we could do that. We would it'd be our great honor to do that. So if you'd help us, sure appreciate it. Um, I saw something today when I got to church a little bit before we started this worship service. It was a huge encouragement to me. I just thought I'd share it with you. Um, looked in one of the rooms, and um, on Saturdays, uh, Minnesota Adult Teen Challenge, you guys are, they're part of our church, and they're here in the room, and um, I saw those ladies in one of our side rooms circled up praying for you, praying for this service, praying for this weekend, and I just want to thank you all for your prayers. You have been prayed for, if you're participating in this worship service, you've been prayed for by courageous women of God. So way to go, ladies. Thanks for being part of this deal. So this weekend, we're kicking off a new series, and this series is called Free From, Free To. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about the freedom that God is offering to us, the freedom that we receive from him and not just what he sets us free from, but also what he sets us free to. And so this could be, this could be a life-changing series for you, and I'm really glad that you're part of it this weekend. Um, this series is gonna be, we're gonna hit the highlights of a letter in the Bible, it's in the New Testament, toward the back, it's called Galatians. It was written by the Apostle Paul, to a, to a group of churches that are in the region of what is now southern Turkey. And he wrote it in about 48, 49 AD, which was less than 20 years after Jesus was crucified and rose again from the dead, which makes it probably the oldest letter in the New Testament, which I think is just, it's really, it's really cool. It's a really interesting fact. But more than that, what has been amazing to me is I've been preparing for this series and for our time together of these next several weekends is how, how spiritually similar we are as 21st century people, most of us are in North America, to those first century people who were living in Asia Minor. About, about how we, we, have a, we have the tendency to get trapped by the same kinds of things that trap them. And, and the things that trap us, all of us, they're so subtle. We, we don't see them any more than this first group, this first century group of people, the first readers of this letter. We don't see these things that trap us any more than they see them. And, and the freedom that is given to us, like when we find that freedom, we have the same kind of struggle and the same kind of difficulty living in that freedom as they had. 
And so, so the point of this whole series, it's about receiving the freedom that God wants to give to you and living in that freedom in meaningful ways. And so today what we wanna do is we wanna spend some time together in the first nine verses of Galatians. It's Galatians chapter one, verses one through nine. It's kind of the introduction and the first little part of the conversation that the Apostle Paul has with these ancient churches and with us. And so I'm gonna read through these verses and then I'm gonna make some comments as we read through and then really have four things that I think we need to take away from our time together today that will help us receive freedom and then live in many meaningful ways. And then we'll wrap up our service time together with communion. So start by reading, beginning this letter, Galatians chapter one, starting in verse one. Starts like many ancient letters from this day and this time, like many of the letters in the Bible. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ, God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia. So we don't know it yet because we just started reading this letter, but there's controversy in these ancient churches. The Apostle Paul's writing to speak into that controversy, a little bit about the controversy. There's two competing messages. There's the message that the Apostle Paul proclaimed when he first went to the region of Galatia and started and established these churches. And then there were some people who came in behind him to these churches and, and there's a competing message that they've been holding out. And so in this first line of this letter, the apostle Paul establishes an important thing. He says, Paul, an apostle. What he's saying about himself is because there's competing messages, he's letting his readers know that he has authority, that he's, he's not just another guy, he's not just another voice, he's not just another Bible teacher. He says about himself, I'm Paul. I'm an apostle and I was sent not from men nor by a man. These other teachers, these teachers who came in behind him, they were pointing at a seminary degree. They were pointing at credentials that another human being had signed off on. And what the apostle Paul is saying in these first lines of this letter, because there's controversy here, the first lines of these letters he's saying to us like, hey, hey, I'm an apostle and, and I'm not, like I wasn't sent by a seminary. I don't have ordination papers that some other human being has signed off on. I came to you, I'm coming to you, I'm writing to you in the authority of Jesus. Paul, an apostle sent not from men or by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father. And so what he's reminding his audience and what he's saying to you and to me, like he belongs to a very, very small group. There are about 12 or 13 of these original capital A apostles, these people who, who saw Jesus and heard at his resurrected Jesus and heard directly from him and was commissioned directly by him. And it's a closed group. Those 12 or 13, they're the only ones. And so when the apostle Paul is writing, what he's writing in this letter, what you and I are supposed to hear him saying at the early part of this is like, hey, listen, I, I didn't, this is, I'm not just another voice. This, this is not just some statement that you can kind of sort through and decide what you think. We're supposed to read this and respond to it like it comes directly from the lips of Jesus because it does. And so he says, I'm Paul, I'm apostle, I'm writing with this, with this authority. And then, he, and then he speaks to them and he speaks to us and he says this, he says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. From most of the letters in the New Testament, these two little words, grace and peace to you. Grace and peace. Grace and peace are important words. They're, they're gifts. Grace and peace are a gift to us. And, and the only grace and peace we have and we experience in our lives, like we can't fight for it, we can't find it, we can't create it. Like we don't have grace and peace because of ourselves. When we have grace and peace, it's because God has, he has blessed us with it. And so this, this letter opens with this beautiful thing. And this, this is a blessing. Like at the front of the letter, this is, this is a blessing. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I read that kind of a blessing, thing that just kind of goes off in my heart is a little statement of yes, please, right? Because these words weren't just written to that first century group of people. They were written to me. They were written to you. And this blessing that is written by the Apostle Paul, like grace and peace, this, this is for you and this is for me, the blessing of grace and peace. So like, I don't know what's going on in your life right now, but yours is probably as chaotic as mine. And in talking about grace and peace, that sounds awesome. And, and if God would speak that into and over our lives, it would, it would change everything about the next 20 minutes that we have together. It would change everything about, about the rest of this day for you. It would, change your, it would change your weekend. It would change what you head into the week with if God would speak his grace and peace over our lives. And so what I wanna do, I'm just like, let's just stop and have a little moment. And, and you could bow your head and close your eyes if you want to. You could put your hands out to, to receive this. I'm just... I'm just gonna read this blessing over us again. And let's just let these words of blessing and these gifts of grace and peace fall on us and fall into our lives. And so if you're, if you're up for that, like you can bow your head and close your eyes if you want. You can put your hands out if you're comfortable, however you wanna do it. And I'm gonna read the blessing and then like when you're ready, you just say, yes, please. All right, we'll say all that together. So receive this from the Lord, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And we say to that, yes, please. All right. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of God, Father, to whom be glory forever and ever, amen. I'm gonna talk about that in just a little bit. We just received this blessing, and now we get into what's happening in ancient Galatia that prompted this letter. All right, so just gonna finish the little first section of this, of this letter, verses six through nine. So having spoken a blessing over him, he just, Paul just gets right to business. He says, hey, and I, I think hey should be in there somewhere because he skips something that's in a lot of ancient letters. He skips a little thing that says, like, hey, I thank God for you when I think about you. Like, he skips that part. Just jump into business. So, hey, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. So now we're finding out there's controversy. There's a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel, other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we've already said, so now I say again, 
If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. And so, so we hear the controversy, it's these competing messages. There's, there's the gospel, God's good news, that the apostle Paul came and proclaimed to them in which they believed and brought them into the family of God and established their church. There's the message of God's gospel, and then there's this competing message that these people who have come along behind is a different gospel, which is no gospel at all. And so that, that leads us to the first thing that we need to grab onto this weekend, this, this statement, there's only one gospel. There's only one gospel. Now you hear that word gospel, here's what you should hear with that. It's God's good news. <laughs> it's God's good news to people like you and me, and there's only one gospel. And that's the point of that last little bit there, that they've already heard God's good news from Paul. And even if he changes his tune, or even if an angelic being appears in their midst and says something different than what he said before, than the founding message, if he changes his tune or an angelic being shows up and says something different, that is not the gospel. There's only one gospel. There's only one message. And this message originates with God. It comes from him, it comes to us through the apostles, right? That 12 or 13 group, that people, first little group of people comes to us through them, but originates with God according to his will. And it was announced by the apostles. And, and what the content of this gospel is at the same time that the apostle Paul was writing this letter to the ancient church at Galatia, he was also engaging with another ancient church at Corinth. And the ancient church at Corinth, he gives them like a one or two sentence summary of what this, this one and only gospel is. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses two and three, and he lays it out like this. Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. He was buried and rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. This is why we can teach the gospel to the youngest kids and we can continue to talk about it all the way to the most mature saints. It's, it's, this, it's this statement. It's, just, it's real simple. Christ died for our sins. Just like the ancient prophets predicted, like God called his shot from the beginning. Christ came and he died for our sins and he rose again the third day. So there it is. That's what we hang on to. That's, that's the good news. And it's, and it's so short, and it's so simple, and there's a period at the end, because there's only one gospel, that Christ died for our sins, he was buried, and he rose again the third day. And so this gospel is something to either be received or rejected. It's to be believed or disbelieved. It's to be obeyed or disobeyed. You, you, can't, you can't nuance it, and you can't change it. To nuance it or to change it is, is, to, is to turn it into not gospel and to turn it into no good news. Our options with this statement that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, he was buried, rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, is we either receive that or reject it, we believe it or disbelieve it, we obey it or we disobey it. And there's, there's nothing in between all that. And as we receive and as we believe and as we obey what God does for people like us, 
When we embrace Jesus as the one who died for our sins and rose again from the dead to give us life, what we receive from him then is that, that we get to be set free. And God comes to our rescue, he steps in and he sets people like you and me free. This is the only true statement that sets people free. Spiritually speaking, it's the only true statement that sets people free. And, and when, we, when we receive this freedom, then the thing that happens to us, and this is, where, this is the other side of this for us, is we struggle to live in the freedom. If you're a person, if you're a person who has received, who has believed, who has obeyed that gospel statement, you're a human being, you struggle to live in freedom. You struggle to live in the freedom that God wants to give you. Some of us, we struggle. We wanna go back to rules. Like we want a list of rules. We want a list of regulations. This ancient church at Galatia, they loved the rules. Like they, they, wanted, they wanted somebody to give them a checklist. They wanted boxes they could check so that they were, know they were doing it right and they know that God would look at them and say, yeah, y'all are doing it right. They love the list of rules and some of us drift back to the list of rules. And if you live if you live according to the rules, you are not free. You're in bondage to the rules. And you spend your life looking at the list of rules. And for this church in Galatia, those teachers had come through. Well, the rules that they were holding out was if you go back and read through your Bible, the early parts in, in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, those are the second through fifth books of the Bible. It's where, if you've ever tried to read through the Bible, it's where you got bogged down and stopped. Right? It's, it's, there's just rules after rules after rules. And, and this church, like those teachers had come through and said, hey, if you want to be right in God's eyes, you got to live according to these rules. And they were buying it. And, it, and if, you, if you're a person who lives in the rules, you're not free. You're not free. You're, you're in bondage to the rules. And so some of us, like we, we love the rules. We love the box checking. We love to know like exactly what it is. And so if you, if you happen to be a person who drifts to the rules, like you, you want to go, listen to this. This is Galatians chapter, so it's a little later. Galatians chapter five, verse one. I'm going to give you two verses here that I think really are the main message of Galatians. Galatians chapter five, verse one, to the people who like the rules. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand firm then. And do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. If, if you are a rules person and you aren't, ser you aren't serving Jesus by obeying the rules. If you're a rules person, you aren't serving Jesus by obeying the rules. You're serving the rules. And so you're trapped and you're caught in bondage and that's very subtle. You've gone back to living, if I could catch some of the language from verse four, you've gone back to living like you're in this present evil age, if you're a rules person. Now there's another group of us, a group of us who, who believe that, that rules are made to be broken. <laughs> and we hear freedom in Christ, we're like, yeah, right, I'm, I'm free. And, and it's true, you are free. You've been set free, but your freedom is a gift that God has given to you. And the gift of freedom is like all the other gifts that God gives. It's for you. It is completely and totally for you so that you are free, but it's also for the people who are around you. And so God has given you this gift of freedom for you, but it's not just for you to be able to live however you want. It's, it's for the people who are around you. And so as you move a little farther into chapter five, this would be the other side of that freedom coin. 
You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. So so freedom, free, yeah, it's for you, but it's not just for you. It's for a purpose. You've been set free from serving the rules so you can serve Jesus by serving others. The, the illustration that comes to mind for me when I think about this freedom and living in this freedom, so we're in August and we're, we're getting close to back to school time and some of us in our church are gonna be going off to college. Some of us are sending kids back to college or off to college for the first time. And so if you went to college, you kind of know like when you leave the house to go to college, you, you are free, right? I mean, you are free and if you're sending kids to college, you should panic about that a little bit. Right, because they're out from under your roof. They're out from under your rules and regulations. You, maybe you can see them if you've got Find My on their phone, but like other than that, you do not know what they're up to. You do not know what they're doing. Those, those students that we're sending off to college, we're sending them for a purpose. Like the freedom that they are being given at this stage of their life is they're being sent to, like, to get an education. They're being set free from the rules and regulations of our homes to be able to engage greater world as, as adults, as young adults, and to get an education. And, and so you, we set them free not to go and do whatever they want, but to go and get an education, to grow, to mature, to live. And that's, that's the freedom that God has given to us. And Jesus is, it's, you're not just set free to just go use your freedom for yourself in any way that you want. We've been set free. We don't have to serve the rules. We get to serve Jesus by serving one another. It's for freedom that God has set us free. And we don't use it as an opportunity to indulge ourselves. And so if you're a believer in Jesus, know that you are free, but not for the sake of freedom, but you are free for the sake of serving. So you've been set free. And that's the only truth that leads to this freedom is the gospel of Jesus. He died for our sins. He rose again from the dead to give us life. So that's the first thing. Second thing that we know from these first few verses that we gotta hold from these first few verses, Christianity is a rescue relationship. Christianity is a rescue relationship. It's not a lifestyle. It's not a list of rules. It's not a bunch of teachings to absorb. It is a rescue relationship. If you're exploring Christianity, I hope you hear this because there is a lot of confusion and there is not a lot of clarity in our culture today about what Christianity is. Christianity is not a subculture. It's not a voting block. It's not even a religion. Christianity is a rescue relationship. It's people who were lost being found. It's people who were far from God being brought near. It's people who were dirty being made clean. It's people who were broken being made whole. It's people who were spiritually dead being made alive. It's people who were enslaved being set free. Christianity is a rescue relationship. Max Lucado years ago said this. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. But since our greatest need was forgiveness, God sent us a savior. Christianity is a rescue relationship. Tim Keller said Jesus is not so much a teacher as he is a rescuer. So what does he rescue us from? And that's, that's an awesome question. What does he rescue us from? 
And I'll just give you the summary here. And this is like this, if you'll hold on to this from our time together today, you have been set free from, in Jesus, we are set free from this present evil age. And we are set free to live in the grace of Christ. So you just kind of let me do a little mashup of verses four and six. The Lord Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father and called you to live in the grace of Christ. He is, he is setting you free from the present evil age to live in the grace of Christ. In his death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, God is rescuing us and he is setting us free. Not just to go on our own way and do our own things, but to live in the freedom and the grace of Christ, this present evil age. That's a, that's a description of, so if you read the Bible and we talk about this some, if you think about the Bible this way, it'll really help you in Genesis chapter one and Genesis chapter two, the first two chapters of the Bible, God tells us how he created the earth and what he created it like. It was innocent, it was perfect, God looked at it and he said, it's very good, it's very good. And in Genesis chapter three, the serpent tempts Eve, Eve and Adam eat the forbidden fruit and theologians call that moment the fall because that is when we as human beings fell from the glory of God, fell from living in what God wants to give to us, fell from living the kind of life that he has for us, we fell and from Genesis three until the end of the Bible, like that's the reality that you and I live in. It's the present evil age. It's, it's an age when our first parents, when they rebelled against God, they opened the door to all kinds of things that God had not put into his creation. They opened the door to the evil one, to the enemy of your soul. Like they, he now has authority in the world in which you and I live. They opened the door to death. Prior to that, nothing died. If they opened the door to us living, you have an enemy of your soul and his agenda for you is to steal, kill, and destroy. And he has authority in the present evil age. And Jesus died on the cross for your sins to rescue you from the present evil age. Before you put your trust in Jesus, you're living next to nice people, you work with people who are easy to get along with, most of them, and, and you enjoy life with friends and family, and you live under, whether you realize it or not, you live under the authority of the enemy of your soul. And he does whatever he can to lull you to sleep, to convince you he's not there, to convince you that there's not a God or that God's not good or you're good enough. And when you put your trust in Jesus as your savior, his death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead so that you could have life, you are rescued from that present evil age and now you get to live, you get to live in the grace of God. Not set free just from the present evil age to go live and do whatever. Like you get to live in the grace of God and we receive all this by faith and that is a relationship word. It is a rescue relationship. Remember, you are in relationship with your heavenly father now. He rescues you and we are free from the present evil age to live in the grace of Christ, which is forgiveness. Forgiveness, to know that you're forgiven as you stand before God. It's wholeness in our relationship with God and the potential for wholeness in our relationships with each other. It's healing that comes from God. It's hope for this life and for the life to come. 
It's patience with ourselves and with other people. It's power to endure and to overcome. It's purpose and meaning in life, being an important part of something greater than ourselves, making a lasting difference in the lives of other people. I mean, this is, this is the grace of Christ. You and I are set free to live in the grace of Christ, set free from this present evil age, living out the agenda of the enemy of your soul to live in the grace that God has given to you. Which leads to this third thing. And this is for those of us who are church people. Given what's at stake here. Being set free from the present evil age and free to live in the, Christ, live in the grace of Christ. This is, this is for church people. We should not make it hard for people who are turning to God. We should not make it hard for people who are turning to God. This statement I put on the screen for you comes from Acts chapter 15, verse 19. This Acts, the events of Acts chapter 15, Acts is a history of the early church. And the events of Acts chapter 15, verse 19, are going on about the same time the Apostle Paul's writing this letter to the church at Galatia, to the churches in Galatia. What's going on in Acts chapter 15 is the first church council. The leaders of the church, the leaders that are in Jerusalem, who are Jewish people who have come out of ancient Judaism, are meeting with people who are, who are Gentiles, who are believers in Jesus too, and what they're trying to figure out, here's what they're trying to figure out. Is it Jesus alone, or is it Jesus and the rules that are in that first, the second, third, fourth, fifth books of the Bible? And there's a group of them who are saying, it's Jesus and, like it's Jesus and. And there's a group that are saying, no, it's, it's Jesus alone. And and they argue it out, and they pray through, and they get to the end of all of it, and they say, hey, it seems good to us, and it seems by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Here's what we're gonna do, it's Jesus alone. It's Jesus alone, and we shouldn't make it hard for people who are turning to God. And I, just, I gotta tell you, I, I think this is a great warning for those of us who are church people who've been part of this thing for most of our lives, we shouldn't make it hard for people who are turning to God. People who have yet to meet Jesus, people who have not yet met him, have one great need in their life. They have only one great need in their life. They need to meet Jesus. And, and we can behave in such a way that makes that hard for them to meet him. You know, because until they meet Jesus, they're trapped and they're imprisoned in this present evil age and the only rescuer is Jesus and we do stuff that makes it hard for people who are turning towards him. We judge them, we criticize them, we demand that they conform to our moral standard. We come across as arrogant, self-righteous. Kind of on the softer side, we have a subculture that we're comfortable in the people who are turning to God have no clue and so we can make them feel like they're on the outside with things that are not central to faith in Jesus? I think it's a really interesting question for, for people who have been in this and been around it for a while to ask, to ask yourself, is, is, there, is there stuff I think? Is there stuff I believe? Is there stuff I say? Are there ways that I behave that make it hard for people who are turning to God? Because, because the one and only great need of the people who have not yet met Jesus is to meet him. And so for you and for me, like we, get, we get the great privilege of representing him and introducing them to him and 
And we should live in such a way that makes it easy, that makes it easy for people to meet him. So, so not making it hard for people who are turning to God. And then there's this last thing. And I'll be quick. So I'm going to ask the band to come out because we're going to take communion together here in just a minute. So this last thing from the first little section here is Jesus and the message of the group who was coming behind the Apostle Paul. A message that you and I get trapped by sometimes in our lives. That this, oh yeah, Jesus is great and we gotta add some things to this. Like I gotta be good, I've gotta do this, I've gotta do that, I've gotta not do this. Like Jesus and is, it's bad news. It's bad news. It's, it's, it's not just not good news, like Jesus and is actually bad news. Jesus alone is God's good news. Jesus and is something else. It doesn't originate with God. God's good news, the only news that originates with God is that Jesus alone. As people, our natural bent, we wanna add something to it. As people, we wanna add something to it. We wanna have a hand in our own rescue. If we recognize that we got ourselves into this mess by the decisions that we make, by our rebellion against God, our natural tendency is to want to work our own way out of the hole that we've dug ourselves into. And so so we, we real easily can get into the place of, of Jesus and, but Jesus and is bad news. And there's, there's nothing to add to Jesus. It's, it can't be Jesus and. I mean, like, let's just pretend for a moment, if there were, if there's Jesus and, like, how much and? Right? When, when do you hit enough? Like Jesus and, and, and what is the and? Like is it? Is it what that ancient first century culture said the and was? Or is it what our culture says the and is? Or is it just whatever you, th- like what is the and? If it, there's no good news in that. God's good news, the news that originates with him, the news that comes to us by his will, is that it is Jesus and it is Jesus alone. And you and I, we just get to receive. We get to receive, we get to live in the grace of God. Grace is a gift. And what God has done for you and for me is he's given Jesus for us, for our sins, and he has given Jesus to us. And, and we, we don't have what it takes to, to add the end, to, to try and to earn or to deserve this gift that God has given to us. What we get to do is we get to, we get to receive it. We get to believe it. We get to obey it. Jesus died for our sins. Yeah. And he rose again from the dead to give us life. I'll, I'll take that. And anything other than that is bad news for people like you and me. Because if God hasn't met us in Jesus, we are without hope. But because God has met us in Jesus, God's good news is that people like you and me can live in his grace. Because Jesus, his death and his resurrection has set us free from this present evil age to live in the grace of God. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna, we're gonna wrap up our service today celebrating communion. And communion for us, Christ's community, this is a faith moment. This is a faith moment. This is for people who are saying yes to this rescue that God offers us in Jesus. It's for people who are saying yes to the, to the life that we, we get to experience because of his resurrection life. People who are saying yes to, to the idea that I, I can't bring, I don't bring anything to this deal. I, I don't have anything to offer. All, all I can bring is my brokenness and my sin. And God brings everything I need to this. To say yes to the freedom, to the freedom that he wants to give to us.
So the band's gonna play. They're gonna sing this song. It's a song for us, and you, you can sing along. You can just let it wash over you, whatever you wanna do. And then when they finish singing, I'll come back, and I'll lead us through the elements of communion. take your little cup of the elements and if you didn't get one when you walked in if you'll raise your hand our team will put one in your hands real quick and those of you who are online if you want to hustle and get get some bread and some closest to juice as you have and we'll take communion together so you'll if you take the bread This communion ceremony, celebration, it's a gift that God has given to us to remember, 
what he has done for us in Jesus, to say yes to what he's offering to us. And if it's yes again, or if it's yes for the first time. So Jesus, the night before he went to the cross, was having a meal with his first followers. In that meal, he took a piece of bread. He knew it was coming. They didn't know it was coming. He knew he was facing the cross. And he took, he took a piece of bread and he broke it. And he told them, this bread is my body, which is broken for you. This is good news. This is good news that Christ died for our sins. This is my body, which is broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. So let's eat the bread together. In that same meal, a little later, he took a cup. And he told them, this cup is my blood, which is poured out for you, for the forgiveness of your sins. So you and I are free because Jesus gave his life for our sins. This cup is my blood, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Drink in remembrance of me. So let's drink together. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me and allow me to pray for us? So Father, This is your good news. The people like us who are far from you, who are broken, who stood guilty without hope. Through Jesus, we get rescued. Thank you. Thank you that you look at people like us and instead of, of leaving us alone and leaving us to ourselves, letting us keep and walk in the way that we're walking away from you, Come to our rescue. Jesus, we need you. We need you. And we're saying yes to the forgiveness, to the life, to the freedom that you offer us. It's for freedom that you have set us free. Thank you. We love you. Really grateful. So we pray these things in your name. Amen.
you all remain standing as you go. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for your sins to rescue you from this present evil age and called you to live in and minister the grace of Christ. May God bless you. Have a great weekend. I love you. I look forward to seeing you next week. You're dismissed.